listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. What is up, Houdat Nation? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by Boot Crew Media and Ornitos Tequila, the official tequila of Boot Crew Media. And the Saints are coming off a really, I want to say a slugfest type of win over the Seahawks. I know you guys have heard all about it. And I'm not going to get too much into that game because obviously the Saints have a big matchup coming up with the Buccaneers on Halloween. And there was also some key injuries that happen on Monday and some breaking news that we'll talk about there. And joining me on this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast is none other than Nick Underhill of New Orleans.Football. Nick, thank you for joining the podcast. Thank you for coming on. And I don't want to just jump right into it because I saw you had a really interesting tweet yesterday that I didn't necessarily do- disagree with, but I saw some fans wanted a little bit more context. You mentioned how Marcus Davenport might have been the best player on the field on Monday, and I thought he was fantastic. What did you see upon second viewing that made you tweet that out there? Yeah, I was surprised that was so controversial, man. Like it, he he played like a, a really good game. Uh, he had six or seven pressures. He was affecting just about every play, and just his presence was overpowering. And some of the stuff Demario did was because because of him. I mean, he if he wasn't the best player on the field, he, he was at least in the conversation with Demario Davis. It wasn't taking anything away from Demario. I just thought he played a, a really good game. There were a couple things against the run that could have been a little bit better. Um, but to come back to play like that, I mean, it isn't often when someone's injured. And we kind of talk about them when they're gone in this like perfect way that they're going to fit this hole and everything's going to be magically better when they get back. And it, it very rarely works out like that. I thought with Davenport, it did. The way that, that we all kind of envisioned him coming back, that's how he came back. That's how he played in this game. The key for him is to keep it going. Because last year he got hurt, he came back. He looked the same way, and then it faded away. And that, that's that been the issue with him. It's never been his talent. It's the consistency in, in just being on the field and maintaining his level of play. So if he can do that, man, what we saw in this game, I, I think it's it's it helps cure a lot of the issues on defense. You get on Yamada back, it gets even better. But step one for him, I thought that was that was probably one of the best games he's played. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk about kind of moving forward. I'm really curious because Alvin Kamara was named NFC Offensive Player of the Week. I thought it was well-deserved, obviously. What we saw, and we haven't seen it a lot this season, is him being unleashed as a pass catcher. I know Saints fans have been begging to see it. We finally saw it. Seattle really had no answer for him. And honestly, I thought Seattle wasn't even trying at some points. Do we think that's going to be a trend where Alvin finally gets used a little bit more as a pass catcher? What would you say about that? Yeah, I think it's something that, that they need to try to do and figure out a little bit better with him. He hasn't been quite as involved in that type of uh, <clears throat> that that aspect of the offense. One of the things that I, I think really worked out well for him, and they kind of set it up early, is Seattle was playing maybe the deepest zone that I, I've seen them play. I mean, they they were just selling out early in the game to take away the deep ball, and Jameis fired a pass just past everybody early in the game, just going down the field, which I think was to reaffirm that their game plan was right, and this is how they were going to attack. And so Seattle just kind of sits back like that. And it was kind of like an okie doke. And then they, they just start beating them up underneath on these choice routes. Alvin's reading the defense perfectly. They're getting them the ball and, and they're just kind of eating that way. And then they eventually adjusted. And you saw in the second half, he was just running into double coverage just about the whole game um, the rest of the way. I'm a little, I don't know. I, I don't want to use the word worried, but I wonder if we're going to start seeing more of that going forward, just where, where he's kind of bracketed every single play. Because if you take him out, you're saying, okay, beat me with Kevin White, beat me with Kenny Stills, beat me with little Jordan Humphrey, beat me with Traquan Smith. I think that's the equation that that you want is, is a defense. But, yeah, I, they, they got to find ways to get him the ball in space, just even on the touches. Like the way he's 
he's running between the tackles. You, you're looking at it, and it's like, man, is he going to make it the whole way? Like, that has to be the biggest concern. And, and you want to take some of that off of him, but still get him the ball. It's a little bit different to get hit by a cornerback in space than to get hit by, you know, the the other team's equivalent of David Onyemata every single time you're running between the tackles. Yeah, and, and I'm going to do one more question about Seattle because I'm really curious about the injuries that broke down and then maybe a little bit of talk about the, the Bucks game. Pete Warner got, I believe, 40 snaps compared to Quan's around 16 or so. Do you think that's something that will continue? I, again, I've I've been on I've been on the Pete Warner bandwagon throughout the season. I, I didn't really get why people didn't like the pick at the time. I, I think he is someone who's just technically sound. Do you think the Saints continue with him kind of working on those early downs and then for passing downs, maybe you get Quan in? I think it, at some point it probably splits out a little bit like that. Maybe Quan's on a little bit of a, a pitch count coming back and they'll find ways to get him more involved going forward. This was the first game where I think we saw Werner have, you know, a couple eye mistakes just looking in the wrong place and he got caught uh, looking a couple times. But overall, he's he's been really, really good. His future's bright. I think at some point down the road, he, he's probably going to be the team's middle linebacker. And I, I bet he holds on to that job for a really long time. I mean, he just he does everything well, like you said, technically sound, right place, right time. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes. His athleticism isn't going to blow you away, but his his vision and, and anticipation and just knowledge of what's going on kind of makes up for some of that stuff. But yeah, I, I think they want to get Quan on the field in some situations. He, he's he's a good player. I mean, he's explosive. He's good against the the passing game, but also they feed off him just emotionally. And there's some of those intangible things which I hate to to put value on sometimes, but with him, it's it's a real thing, and I think, look, the whole like juice boys thing, like it's kind of it kind of stems from him. I mean, that that's his personality. So I think they're they're gonna find ways to use both these guys. But you got to make sure Pete's still getting snaps too, because he's he's a younger player. He's kind of you know he's he's the future of the position, and if he's earning snaps well, being pressed by Quan, like that's the best option that I think you can have. Yeah, and, and again, after the way last season went, when Quan went down, I remember it was kind of a sense of panic from the fan base to have the luxury of multiple linebackers. Yeah. It's a good problem to have. So Will Lutz announces that he has a setback and he's out for the season. Then we hear from you know Ian Rappaport reports that Andrews Pete probably a torn peck and that would put him out for the year. Not so much what are the impacts that their losses are going to have because I think a lot of Saints fans, I know they you know they love to harp on Andrews Pete, but that is a big loss. What would be if you got to rate one to ten for each player? Your confidence level in Brian Johnson, who I thought did a stellar job in the rain, high pressure kicks, and then Throckmorton, who I wouldn't say you know, let's say you know, stood out, but I thought there were some really good blocks he had in the screen game that that at least stood out to me. What would be your confidence level for each player? So replacing Pete, like it's it's a ten, and it's and it's not really about Andrews Pete. It's just the way they fill in on the offensive line there was a period where you just kind of forgot that Armstead wasn't playing and, and it wasn't a big deal. And that's one of the best players in the NFL. Like that's just what they do. They, they, they're deep at that. At all those positions, they fill in, they're well coached. And it's just kind of like, you know, if two guys go down, they're okay. Maybe if you get the three, maybe you're stretching it too thin, but one guy Throckmorton, like it, it's fine. They were fine with them before. They'll be fine with them going forward. Uh, kicker. I don't know. I mean, Brian Johnson, he did good in college. Like you said, he, he, he performed well Monday night. It wasn't like a long kick to to either one of them. They were both under 35, I think. But tough atmosphere, wind, wet, all that stuff. Those are hard kicks to make, pressure situations. He stepped up. He did it. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, continually doing it going forward. And like I said, he had, he had good numbers in college. Every kicker in the NFL at some point had good numbers in college, and then they separate. So he just needs to keep doing what he's doing and, and make those kicks. 
they need him to be good. If you're going to be a playoff team, your kicker has to make kicks. If you're going to be a team that that kind of tries to control the points and, and preserve things like the way they've been playing, your kicker has to make kicks for, for that approach to work. So if he's making his kicks, I think it helps them operate the way they want to operate until Mike Thomas gets back. And, you know, it'd be a luxury at this point, really. And it's funny with Lutz, like Lutz became <laughs> like maybe the most beloved member of the Saints by not playing. Like he's yeah. talked about in like a, a level of reverence that was like Thomas Morstead, Drew Brees. And now it's like Will Lutz is like right there at that level. People have come to appreciate him just, just you know, through not having him. Yeah, there's a point. I think it was after the Giants game. I just tweeted just like a simple, Will Lutz, we miss you. And then I went back to my phone a couple hours later. I'm like, why does this have over a 1,000 likes? I'm like, okay, I guess fans <laughs> miss him that much. So this is a quick question I'm going to pull up from the fans here. Do you think the Saints would re-sign Will Clapp with Pete going down? Uh, what do you kind of think about that? I thought they were going to re-sign Will Clapp one way or another before Pete even went down. I mean, they've he, he's that guy now that they kind of just they they release, they bring back, they release, they bring him back. He's someone they really like having around. And he's, you know, every team has one of those guys that's just kind of like a, a steady, solid presence, sets the backstop, I guess, uh, at, at that position. I think he'll be back in, in some form or fashion. Okay. I mean, I'm sure fans would be cool with that. So before I get into the Bucks game, because I know fans are going to be really excited for that, and I, I'm pumped. I think it's a good kind of litmus test for the Saints and where they'll be at. The trade deadline's coming up. And I know every single person, me included, is like, oh, the Saints, if they, they're serious, maybe go get another weapon. A lot of people are talking about receiver. I've been on the side that, like, I wouldn't mind them getting Marlon Mack to just take some of the pressure off of Alvin or some of the workload off of him. But I'm not saying – I'm going to put a little disclaimer out here. This isn't you reporting that the Saints are going to trade for this player or they have this player on the radar. But who do you think would be some names that you wouldn't mind seeing the Saints go after? Maybe they could add another element to the offense. I don't even have specific names, like literally any wide receiver at this point. And I just think that that even if it's like I, Willie Sneed got cut yesterday and I just kind of tweeted with the, the, the eye emoji and people were like, they're mad about that, that idea. Like, why would you be mad about bringing Willie Sneed? In? Like, you, you got to just churn that spot. And it's not like if you bring in Willie, it stops them from from doing something else. You bring in Willie to see if he's better than Kenny Sills or if he's better than Kevin White or Will Jordan Humphrey. I think you got to churn those spots and moving up if you can get anybody at the top of that position i think you got to look at it and and be serious about it i don't know if they will though i mean I, I thought it was interesting yesterday it was the first time that peyton admitted that there was some level of issue at wide receiver said he wasn't happy with the performance um up until then it's always been we like the guys in the room so that was a little bit of a a, a change in tone there but we'll see i i don't know they they've, they've been happy with that position much more so than the rest of us. And I wouldn't be surprised either way, but I think at the very least, you got to look at some of those options that aren't going to cost you anything like a Willie Sneed. I would make a trade though. I think even with Mike coming back, Deontay coming back, I, I think there's just room for one more guy and it gives you a level of insurance. And like you said, a downhill back, take some hits off of Alvin. I think that's something that I, I would be extremely interested in doing if I were them. Maybe it isn't even just in terms of like getting better just you get better by by keeping alvin healthy the rest of the season and i think that's something that would free him up a little bit you could get him out in the space he could maybe then alleviate some of the issues in the passing game by getting him in the slot or some different things you, you can get just a little bit more creative with him um so i do that or even a tight end like you literally anybody that helps your offense at this point i i would i would be looking at because they just aren't getting enough out of any of those positions
Yeah, I'm really curious about the receiver position. I, you know better than everyone else, and you're there, and you have the pulse of the team. What is it, not even just this season, before going into the season, more so training camp, preseason, like what was it? Are guys just not playing as well as they were practicing in the summer? Like what's the deal? Because for Sean to be very adamant, and, and even Mickey, I know they talked about liking the guys in the room, and on paper it sounds great with Michael Thomas and Deontay and Callaway taking the next step, Traquan taking the next step. But so far, it's not happening. And then you see on Monday night, which is frustrating, where Jameis makes back-to-back nice throws down the sidelines, and neither one gets caught. And it's plays like that. And you posted even, you know, Traquan Smith either stopping on his route or some miscommunication there on the opening drive, or that could be a huge play. Like, what is it? Are guys just not playing as well as they're practicing? Like, what's the deal that, you know, now it's week eight, and Sean's like, okay, something isn't necessarily right. Well, I mean, they are three guys. Well, they were three guys down for most of the start of the season. So, I mean, that, that's that's going to stretch it a little bit thin. Um, they should have had another one at, at some point, though, just knowing that the Mike situation was what it was. They knew he wasn't going to be available. They should have addressed it. Look, I'm, this season is it, kind of opened my eyes a little bit, too, because I was always in the Bill Belichick camp of like, well, you know, receivers just kind of catch the ball and you can, get them, you can get them open, you can scheme them open. And I think this year's, shown a little bit more of, of how difficult that can be and that there is a limit to it. And I also think like it, it isn't a knock on Jameis. Like Breeze could probably operate this offense a little bit better. He'd struggle within it with these guys. Anybody would struggle within it with, with these guys, with just knowledge of the system and all that. I think it would look a little bit better, a little bit smoother. And you go through and I mean, you can find some touchdowns in every game that, that Jameis isn't hitting just because he's probably still settling in and getting comfortable with what he's doing. But overall, I mean, yeah, I mean, these guys aren't aren't helping them. And it's hard to even evaluate the quarterback because ball's hitting people in the hands and, and plays aren't happening. There's probably a level of confidence that doesn't exist in some of the players, especially on throws over the middle. Like, you really have to trust your receiver there. And if you're looking at a guy and he dropped your pass on the sideline, now he's over the middle, ball hits someone in the hands over the middle and doesn't get caught. Like, those are the passes that get picked off. And if you're Jameis Winston – you're graded on this absurd scale where where if you throw a pick, like the whole world acts like you're the only person in the existence of football to ever throw an interception. So you got to avoid those plays. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a little surprised by how rough it looks. And you kind of look and it's just like, where are the Corey Fullers of the world? Like those guys used to just always be around and it just kind of feels like the Saints don't even have the depth at that position and, and they're scraping the bottom of the barrel. And maybe, I don't know, maybe if Corey Fuller was – playing in the fourth quarter of a three-point game uh, in week seven, you'd feel the same way about him as you do about Kevin White. But it, it, it just, for whatever reason, it just seems like there just hasn't been the players at, at, at that spot. And it's a little bit worse than I thought it actually could be at that position. Yeah, and to your point, going back on the Willie Sneed thing, there was a lot of people pushing back. It's like, oh, how desperate are we? It's, it, you got to change something up. Yeah, you have to change something up. You can't continue to go through the same thing. And, and it's also unfair to the defense, too, to kind of play in a game yeah. where 13 to 10. And that's a lot of stress on them. And especially when you play a team like Tampa or, or you know, even like Falcons in two weeks. And I'm really curious. No one knows when Michael Thomas is going to come back. I know you've done a really great job of kind of preaching that the patience part of it. And also there needs to be a ramp up period. Would it be unrealistic of me to think that by mid-November, or even let's say early November, I think, is it November 7th when they play the Falcons? Would it be unrealistic to put a target date there around November 7th, November 14th? I mean, he should. I don't know. I mean, it, I think the thing with him is, is is that he's waiting until he feels he feels right. Like he doesn't he doesn't want to come back and still have pain 
He doesn't want to come back and be less than 100%. So I think he's just going to take his time and get right and come back and, and make sure that nothing can happen again. And I just think that that's that's kind of where it's at. And when he feels that, I think he'll, he'll come back and that's when you'll see him. You know, as far as the ramp-up period, I mean, that was just kind of using logic. Like, I, I would be surprised if, if he came back, like, let's say he's practicing Thursday. To play Sunday would seem to be, like, a quick turnaround. It just seems like when he comes back, there'll need to be some time to ramp up and get going. But you never know. I mean, some of these other guys came back from injury and, and played right away. But I just think Mike, you know, he, he he pushed it last year, played through injury, didn't get right, continued to linger. I just I think this time it's just he's he's taking his time and wants to make sure that everything is perfect. Once it is good to go. So hard Saints, to know when that's going to happen. I mean, it's he and, and look, his, you know, little like on the inside reporting stuff, like it, it's, it's, it's some guys are, are just extremely difficult to get information about. And he's one of those guys where it's just, I don't think anybody really, really knows a whole lot of anything uh, about what's going on. If, if I had a dollar for every time I had to see you quote tweet someone like asking or panicking about when Mike's coming back, uh, I feel like I'd be pretty wealthy over the last couple of weeks. There's been a <laughs> lot of questions. I don't blame them. And especially when the receivers are struggling, I think it just adds more to the desperation and need for Mike to come back in and, and the fans asking questions. So Saints, Bucks, Halloween should be a good game. I know the Bucks are favored. I believe around five and a half it opened up. Anyamata is coming back. What should we expect from him? Not even for the season specifically in that game. Do you think they just thrust him into his old role? Yeah, I think I think he'll be out there ready to go. I mean, he's not somebody that's been hurt, so he should be good to go, ready to roll, fresh. I mean, he, he should be better than most people would be at this point in the season, just because uh you know not having any hits on him or anything like that. He's going to be important because the thing with Brady is if you can move Brady, Brady that that's when you start to see some things come apart with him, and you have to get pressure on him with your front, without blitzing a whole lot. So he's going to be key to that. And, you know, I, I just think he, he's – I think at this point he's, he's the team's best defensive lineman. I don't, I don't think that's even, you know, a stretch to say. It's pretty obvious. So once he's in there, I think it's going to help everybody, though. Like you saw in this last game, Davenport comes back. Now guys are getting flushed out to Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan's getting more pressures. He gets his sack. Everything just kind of works in concert. So once you get that that middle rush – now the quarterback's getting slid side to side. That's going to make you know the, the the arc shorter for both those guys coming off the edges. I think it's going to be a lot better. Uh, the Bucks are going to be, I mean, man, it's going to be a tough game, and he's playing out of this. I, I cannot believe the way Tom Brady's playing right now. When I covered the Patriots two years ago, like I thought he was done. Like it, it looked like he was done, and that's kind of a good example though. Like the receiver thing, like he had abysmal receivers in New England. He has good receivers in Tampa Bay, and. They had a segment on ESPN. They're talking about, like, is he playing his best football at 44? Probably not. I mean, they had the undefeated season. But, I mean, that's just a credit to, like, how well that structure's been around them. Yeah, and and speaking of Brady, ESPN mentioned, is he the best free agent signing of all time? And I remember, like, a week or two ago, I'm like, no, nah, I think it's probably, you know, Reggie White and Breeze over him. I'm like, the Saints got 15 years out of Breeze, and someone responded back, and I can't even disagree with them. Like, I don't know, Tampa Bay might get 15 years out of him. Like, all right, with the way he's <laughs> playing, I, he might. So, I think defensively, the three games last year, I thought every single game, I thought the Saints defense played well against the Bucs offense. I know the the box score of the playoff game, you see 30 points, you're like, okay, that's a lot. But I thought they played outstanding even in that game. The offense, obviously, with the turnovers is what really shifted it. Offensively speaking, the Bucs have the linebackers to kind of match up with Alvin Kamara and what is your, I guess, concern that they could potentially take him out and then all the pressure is on this receiving corpse of the Saints. And luckily, the Tampa Bay secondary is a little banged up. But where do you see T. 
Tampa Bay secondary, Saints receiving corpse in this one, assuming, let's say, that Mike doesn't play. Man, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough game for them. They're, they're hard to run on. Like you said, they have the linebackers to match up with him. And then if, if you got to go outside, they got to find a way to get these guys open and, and have them make plays. They can't get into a game where it's a shootout. Like, I don't think they can they, – they don't have the offense to, to hang in a shootout game. So the defense is going to have to kind of keep points low, allow the, the offense to kind of grind it out the way they do. But this is a tough game to grind it out against. I don't know. I mean, I, it, it's a tall task. I mean, I think it's going to be really all on the defense. They're going to have to find a way to manufacture some turnovers. It's, it's, it's going to be a tough game. Yeah, so – I think a lot of people, I mean, I'm sure there's like delusional fans who think it's going to be a 38 to three game again, which is just not going to happen. It's just not. But what are two keys? If the Saints are going to win this game, what are the two biggest keys in your opinion? Two biggest keys. I mean, defense has to be just absolutely elite and they just got to keep those points off the board again. Like I, I, I just don't think that you can get into a race with them because this is a team too where they they're the only team in the NFL that has three number one receivers and they can literally just pick the best matchup every single play. Nobody else can do that. That's why Brady looks so good. I mean, he can just target the best matchup every single play. Whoever's covering the slot, I mean, the onus on that is going to be just out of the world, out of this world. And, and I wonder if this is a game where you see Bradley Roby come in and, and play a little bit more just because you need more of that coverage out of, out of the slot as opposed to, you know, the tackling and playmaking in the box, run blitzing, stuff like that. So I think that's going to be uh, interesting to see how they go about that matchup. And then, you know, the someone just the, the other key is just someone has to step up a wide receiver. If Deontay Harris doesn't play, like somebody has to make that. Like just when the ball's hitting you in the hands, like you just have to catch the ball. Like you can't squander any opportunities on offense. And I guess key three would be is that I think the kicker's got to be on point. Like, he, it might be a close game. He needs to make all his kicks. And, you know, if they're, if they're going to play that way, and it probably is going to be, you know, a game where they try to preserve those points, grind it out, keep Tampa off the field as much as possible, he's got to be doing his job too. Yeah, absolutely. Before I let you go, Nick, I got one more thing. And it's kind of, I was thinking about it. I'm curious what your take would be on it. We're through the first six games. And, and even let's say the Saints lose to the Bucks four and three. I still don't think that's terrible considering the circumstances they've been in. I feel like when I look at the NFC as a whole, they're very top-heavy. I know the Cowboys look great. I know the Packers, the Cardinals, Rams, Bucks. they all look like great teams. I feel pretty confident, and, and things will change, obviously, as they always do, but I feel pretty confident the first six games that the NFC isn't deep enough where I think the Saints are still a playoff team. What is kind oh, of yeah. your take through the first six games on that? Yeah, I think they're definitely still a playoff team, and if Mike comes back when he comes back, I think they're going to be a, a lot better. And if he can fill that void the way Davenport filled the void, on defensive line. I mean, I, I think it cures a lot. It doesn't cure everything, but it cures enough. And I think the defense is good enough that they can, even if like, like if Mike Thomas didn't exist, like I think they could still get into the playoffs with this team, just off this defense, grounding things out, probably not win a game in the playoffs, but get there. I think you get Mike back, things get a little bit better. You might, you might even win a playoff game. So I think that they're definitely in there. Um, it's top heavy. Like you said, but I think after that, it, it kind of softens up. And then you look at the schedule the rest of the way, and th there aren't a lot of, you know, there, there's a couple losses against Tampa, maybe one against the Bills, maybe one against Dallas. There's another one. I, I looked and I thought like maybe five more games um, the rest of the way. But if you lose all those, and I, I don't know, I don't think they're going to get swept by the Bucs. Maybe a split. I mean, it's tough to get swept by a division opponent. And, and I guess they did it to the Bucs last year. But I, yeah, I mean, I, th I think they're definitely a playoff team, though.
Yeah. And, and there's games that looked harder coming into the year. Mm-hmm. Like Eagles look a lot easier now. Dolphins look way easier now yeah. than people would have imagined. So I think that will definitely lighten up. But again, we'll see what happens. I think Sunday is going to be the big test for the Saints. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. As always, guys, thank you for tuning in and supporting the show. Make sure to support Nick's work at NewOrleans.Football. I know you've been doing a lot of members-only podcasts. So, Saints fans, if you're not – if you're not supporting and you're not signed up, I really do not know what you're doing at this point. So please do it before we get to the midway point of this season. Guys, make look, you know, be on the lookout for a live stream for me after the Saints play the Buccaneers on Halloween. We'll see what happens. If they do win, I think it's going to tell us a lot about this New Orleans Saints football team. So thanks for tuning in, guys, and stay tuned for more content in the near future. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.